Welcome everyone to the first episode of Vagabond, actors on the road and getting things done, and for the moment, locked in their house. As uh, as we're recording this on March 24th, 2020, um, we are in the middle of a coronavirus fever, not to put too fine a point on it, um, where we are all basically acting and uh, doing our art from the comfort of our own home. Um, so with me, is, uh, uh, as always, is Andrea Martin. Hello. And Gary Condes. Hey. And Andrea, where are you now? I am in Mallorca, Spain. And Gary, you're joining us from? I'm in London, UK. And I am in Prague, uh, Czech Republic. So what we're going to do is we're going to uh, split this podcast into uh, roughly three segments. Um, first segment is going to be kind of what's going on in the arts world or in the acting world or, or things that we think are relevant and current. Uh, second segment is going to be basically a topic that comes up uh, over time for actors. And all three of us are, are acting teachers and coaches and we We've talked to a lot of students and we've talked to a lot of friends about what concerns or issues actors might be dealing with. And so the second segment, we're going to be talking about one of the issues that might come up uh, during training or during work. And the third segment, we're going to be looking at kind of what we've seen out in the world that we really admire or what we really like out in the world. So, um, Andrea, why don't you kick it off tonight with um, what's going on out there? Well, thank you. You know, we, the three of us, have really determined that this is such a unique time in our history, and um, in many ways, artists are being very directly impacted by the coronavirus crisis. So we wanted to take that, you know, head on and and really examine the impact whether it's economic, uh, artistic, emotional, spiritual, that this may be having in our acting communities, what we're noticing, what we forecast for artists under these unique conditions, and um, sort of check in with each other in these unique locations, which are experiencing the crisis uh, in different ways, and and see how it's um, see how it's playing out for us. So. Gentlemen, how do you feel that this um, this crisis is impacting either your immediate uh, career or or work or what are you what are you sensing in your artistic community? Um, well, maybe I'll sort of kick this off. Um, well, obviously we're all freelancers and uh, and uh, actors and artists are all freelancers pretty much and uh, and there are a lot of freelancers out there that are being impacted so sort of extremely um, so all of a sudden there's no income and there's no not just no income but no work in order to get an income so it really sort of forces you to to take a pause and and and, and have a look at how one functions because without without it you know what are you and the one thing that I'm finding, um, I'm starting to coach online, and a lot of people, obviously, and it's it's uh, in, in this day and age, are going online, and it's such a great resource to do that. They're finding very resourceful ways of keeping themselves 
creative, busy, and um, offering all kinds of things online. There's I'm seeing from on Facebook and all the other social media, Twitter and 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 uh, Instagram. There's people are making films independently. I don't know how that's mm. working, but I kind of saw that people are making films individually and, and editing it together from their own uh, privacy of their own homes and then sticking it together. People are holding classes online. Um, so it's showing me that there is a resourcefulness that doesn't go away no matter what circumstances appear um, for creatives. So I think that's something, you know, there's a, there's a survival thing that is inbred in freelancers, but also that initiative and creativity. And it's great to see that flourishing. It's a positive thing coming out of all this negative, upsetting circumstances that are out there with the with the virus. Um, but it's just good to see, you know, some of it is silly, but it doesn't matter. It's it runs the whole gamut of of serious to to frivolous. And I think it's very important to to keep active in whatever way one can. And out of that just like an art, an artist sketch is just like that. Good things come out of it. So um, yeah, I've just noticed a great resourcefulness and resilience and, a, and an initiative uh, on behalf of actors in particular. But I'm sure it's it's the same across the board with all artists right now. Hmm. Brian, what are you what are you what are you experiencing? What are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I completely agree. I think that uh, any kind of you know, immense crisis like this, uh, brings an opportunity for, uh, people to get creative. I think that when you are forced to, to reduce kind of the breadth of things that you can do, what you, what you do with, with the resources that you have, you put more of your energy into, into these, uh, creative solutions. Um, I do think that because certain artists who are working, in film and television especially, it's not uncommon f- to have three, four, five, six months, even a year of time between actual jobs. And so, um, you know, what people do financially in between those jobs is usually work at restaurants. And unfortunately, a lot of the restaurants uh, are closed for a few weeks or months or who knows how long it's actually going to be. So I think that, you know, I've seen examples of, of actors just going out and if, if they haven't been able to coach or they haven't been able to find clients and do things that are remote, um, you know, the, the grocery stores are still open. I've seen on Twitter that actors are going out and getting jobs, um, you know, wherever they can just to bring in the amount of money that they need to survive in these times. Because as far as I know, there haven't been that many moratoriums uh, on rent or mortgage payments. Um, bills are still coming in, but the, but the money isn't. And, you know, I think that, that we're at the beginning of what will be a a huge economic crisis. I know that the productions that I've been involved in, which have been on camera productions, uh, have been, uh, suspended. Uh, you don't know when they're going to come back or if they're going to come back, if they, if they are, you know, if their financial backers are, you know, financially stressed because of the economic crisis. You don't know if that production is going to come back. Um, and so I think that being very aware of budgeting and, and how much money you're trying to, to spend um, is a really good thing at this time and really just scrapping for any opportunities to make money because you just 
especially as a freelance artist, you, you have no idea when that next paycheck is coming in. Um, that, that's kind of how we are. I'm, and I'm, and I'm one of the lucky ones where I've had, you know, a few years of fairly consistent work, but you know, it's, it's, um, there's no guarantee out there. So just trying to be careful. How about you, Andrea? Um, I really appreciate what you both are saying about it because I, I feel the same way. I feel um, while I am nervous for actors who traditionally um, don't necessarily have a great depth of economic resources and I'm nervous about what the 2020 forecast is for the industry, at the same time I'm really energized when I see the kind of creative ways in which the artistic community responds, you know, whether it's virtual choirs, I've, I've gotten several invitations now to tape record things that are going to be um, presented to senior communities or that are going to be put together as a virtual choir, things that, you know, have always been possible technologically, let's say for the last near term, but but haven't been pursued because we didn't have to pursue them. And people are stepping up in all sorts of interesting ways to serve one another and to be able to create something. And um, I'm very, very pleased to see that because I think when that desire to create is really born not just out of economic necessity, but out of something in your soul that wants to live something that wants to be of service or donation, um, you know, the sky is the limit. And I'm seeing beautiful examples of that from you in all sorts of formats, you know, via email, um, using the Zoom technology, um, using the acapella app um, presented on YouTube. I've seen Instagram live shows, people who normally have access to, um, let's say, higher-end technology are like they're sitting in their living rooms just like you and I, and they're saying, what can I do from where I'm sitting right now and be of help? And that, you know, from this um, from this place, I think great things can happen. So I'm actually really excited about seeing the way the artists step forward personally. And here in Spain, you know, my personal situation is that I'm, I've just relocated to this market. So I am in a transition phase and I've been hunkering down a bit the last few months anyway. So to some degree, this is a new feeling to me, um, having to assess and study and learn and uh, make new connections and try new things. So I'm a little bit prepared for it emotionally, but um, but it's nice to feel I'm not the only one in the boat at the moment <laughs> of having to come up with a new way of being. You know, I was going to say um, just picking up on that, and the economic thing is a is a you know obviously a big deal. No one wants to do anything for free, and people have got to live, and act, actors particularly, are, you know, have always had. I know I did, you know, I'm sure we all have had certain bar jobs when we started or restaurant or hospitality jobs or something to keep us going. If you are looking for a positive out of this, I think 
it's a, there's a possibility and I think a lot of people whether they know it or not a lot of actors whether they know it or not are, are actually reconnecting with the creative impulse and the art of it yes. because they're not getting paid and it's like well do you then just switch off are you no longer an actor mm-hmm. um, no, and I think that, yeah that's interesting it's in a way there's a pause to reconnect back to that and it should be and it's like well why are we doing this all of a sudden I mean, why are we doing this sorry why are we doing this why have we been doing this all along mm-hmm. and <laughs> if we take the rat race out just for a moment it hopefully might kind of remind us of there is there, there is something other than just the commodity of it all. And actually, Gary, something you said before we started recording, you know, because actually I, I read an article that said that here in the Czech Republic, because um, you'd think that it would be a time when almost everyone is having sex. And actually what the article said was most of the activities are eating and cleaning. And um, <laughs> there's a great opportunity to do those things that you – never really thought you had time for because you were running around doing all this other stuff. And and what you were saying, Gary, before, before we started was that it actually the kind of enforced uh, uh, slowing down of, of the pace of everything has actually given you time to going to do the activities or the, or the projects that you never really thought you had time for. So for actors out there who are always like, well, I really you know, I should get my show reel together or I should, or I should, um, go and make those lists of those agents or those casting directors or those produ- producers that I wanted to contact. Um, then th- this is a perfect time to do it. And actually, you know, if you, if you follow casting directors on Twitter or on Instagram, there's what they're doing now through spotlight, certainly in the UK is they are having time now to do one-on-one generals with actors. And so it's, it's some in some ways it's a perfect time to do all that foundation building in your career connect with the casting directors or the agents that you always wanted to because those people are also at home and those people are also looking for ways to to fill their days and to and to meet new people and to build their business and so that would be a, that's a great way to 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 spend some of the time absolutely and that, you know, and that, that's, it's better when you don't have kids because <laughs> the kids are home from school. They take a lot of time. It's amazing what teachers do actually. But you know, you've got a, a, a yeah, it's a, it, absolutely. There is no excuse to be honest. I mean, I know there's, there's the whole specter of what's going on in outside. And at this moment in time, there are nurses and doctors toiling away. Absolutely. And, you know, being on the front line and, you know, it's wonderful that we can stand on our balconies and applaud them and all the rest of it. It's little token, but there is that going on and it's very sobering. However, there is a lot of time being allotted here. So there is no excuse to do whatever you need to do. I had, I had an actress on, uh, yesterday I was, um, doing some coaching for, and it was, and it was like, well, what, what can I do now? I'm back in my home country uh, out of London on my own and I'm like do I have to really you know okay you need some help I'll tell you but there's all the thing. It, it's quite simple all the things that you would normally do but you would have little time to do them and you would spread it out over a longer period you can do now that's Every right waking minute of the day if you like 
um, you know, and if nothing else, yes, but I can't act with anyone across 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 a, a, a video streaming service. Well, you could. It's not the same as being in class, granted, or in real person, but pick a monologue and record it. Practice your uh, self-taping. I mean, as well as all the other admin stuff, there are actual practical acting activities that you can do. Great. Andrea, final words on this, on this topic? You know, I do have one question for you. It's a, it's a little bit of a delicate issue, but it has been on my mind. Um, and so no judgment here on this, but do you feel as I'm seeing, you know, casting directors or people running workshops or um, former casting directors running workshops, uh, I'm seeing that the business models don't seem to have changed yet. They're still offering the services. They're still sending the emails out. They're trying to get you on board with their training or whatever their, their offering is. And there's not an economic adjustment. And I'm just wondering if you feel that the time uh, might demand that we all take a look at what our expectations are on that front. Is it, is it appropriate to ask the same amount of money for training? Is it appropriate to, um, to go full steam ahead or is this the time to think outside the box? What's your, what's your view on that? Go ahead, Gary. You're doing it more than I am. I I've sent out an email, but I want to hear your, yeah, your no, thoughts it's on very it. Very interesting. Well, it, it is interesting because I've, as a acting teacher and acting coach and director, and I've had courses that um, I've had to stop because of the coronavirus epidemic pandemic and 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 enforcement by government here in the UK to to now self isolate at home. So that was cut short. So that was taken care of. But then there is courses that I've got upcoming that um, I started to advertise and put out there. Uh, uh, and, and now, and, and they're far enough in the future, I think they're two or three months away mm-hmm. where it, it sort of in beginning middle of May. And, and it's like, well, do I continue to advertise? And my decision is I've not, I've stopped. I thought it just would be, it just doesn't seem right mm-hmm. to one continue to do this when actually on a practical level, when probably it's it's not going to happen anyway because we won't be allowed to be in groups and 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 would be continued to be in probably lockdown for the next few weeks at least. Mm-hmm. So there's that obvious element, but also, you know, I'm asking people for money to sign up when actually no one's got any money, or at least then no one's earning. Uh, and it, it, even though the possibility of the course still running and everything blowing over and there being a turnaround in the right in the in in in, in time, for me it's like I don't I don't feel kind of right about it. it doesn't feel doesn't feel right right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, I need a clean sort of slate and sort of pick things up again when everything is blown over. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. I mean, what about your what about your uh, your virtual coaching that you're doing Gary yeah well again that's something that has come to me I haven't actually pushed anything it's just got people have come to me and gone well actually some people my, my, my clients who I, I work face to face some of them have gone oh I'll, I'll prefer for it to blow over and then we'll pick this up again rather than do something online I'm going absolutely fine but but you know 
people have of wanting them to uh, want wanting to do some something and have come to me and asked me to do it online. It's not something I've put out there. Mm-hmm. And but have you I, lowered your prices for have, it? Yeah, I've lowered my prices. So what I've done is I've um, you know lowered my prices and you know, but. You know, I'm also on zero income right now um, because everything, all I do is teach and that's just out out of the, out of the, uh, out of the equation now. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, and there I could have fought it and I could have justified it. um, But I just felt that, hold on a minute, this is bigger than us. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather do it at a reduced level or no level of pay than not at all. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes back to what we were talking about earlier about the impulse to create and the impulse to do this. You know, mm-hmm. are you really an actor uh, who needs to do this or or not? You know, mm-hmm. and the yeah. same goes for me and my my teaching. So yeah, I have reduced my rates um, by fifty percent, and I'm open, you know, on a case by case basis to to see what 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 how people are. But um, on certain occasions. Um, you know, uh, I've offered uh, sort of a little clinic where I can do things for sort of 10 minutes for free or something like that. That's that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't normally do that. I would never normally go, okay, this next hour I'm going to offer up six, 10 minute slots where I can just deal with one little thing and offer a bit of advice and that, mm-hmm. and you can go away with that and, and, and that's it. And, you know, I just think it's. Uh, <sighs> It's it's so it's such a big thing and it's bigger than us. I just think there's a necessity to 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 um, acknowledge that people are in difficulty, mm. and no matter what, no matter how how I am, I think it's there's got to be a support of some level um, mm-hmm. because, like I say, I'd rather be in in a room with actors creating or getting stuff out of them, and if I can't do that, I'll do it online, whether I'm being paid. Fifty percent, or not, or one hundred percent, or twenty-five percent. Yeah, and I've, I've, uh, with my classes, um, I've kind of let the people because I, I interrupted a, we were two weeks away from the end of a of a term, and I've interrupted it, of course, uh, and I basically let everyone know and said, look, we'll come back to the class when the government says that it's going to be safe for us to gather and groups again. Um, I don't, I don't know at this point, I'm not planning on lowering the price for the course. Um, it's been the same price since 2010. So I'm kind of behind on inflation anyway. Um, but, uh, but if people, you know, on an individual basis came to me and said, well, I, you know, I really love your course and I, but I can't afford it. And, and it's this global recession, then I would be, have no problem, uh, giving them some kind of scholarship or reducing the price or something like that. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate yeah. both of you being so uh, honest and thoughtful about it because I think it's probably on the minds of, um, of many actors right now, how they're going to spend their resources and where they're going to put their attention. So um, I think it's really heartening that you're giving such great thought to it from the other's point of view. Which is, of course, what great acting teachers know how to do. There you go. <laughs> so what kind of thing has, uh, has come up in class? Maybe it's you've heard it from students. Uh, an actor's come to you and said, oh, there's this thing. 
it's going on. My question to you both is is this this sort of notion of acting training, how important is that versus learning the trade of acting by doing it on the job? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of the pros and cons for each of those. I mean, there's so many elements to to acting training and the actor's life and what makes an actor and how, you know, what's path to success and what is success even and, and all the rest of it. But I'd just like to just put something to, to you two guys. Um, what I've been noticing is we're, we're, I think we're all of a similar age and um, I, I've increasingly, you know, I'm 50, so I'm increasingly coming across students who are wanting a quick fix to acting and uh, feel that. And I think what adds to this sense of being able to get something quicker, I think, is things are so at hand now, particularly with the technology and the stuff that we're actually using. But, uh, you know, you can pick up a camera and make your own stuff. You can get a YouTube channel. You can kind of act in a way that we probably couldn't have, particularly with film and camera work. You know, you all you need a room. You only need a room to and a bunch of people to do theatre, but you know what I mean. And I just think there's this. I'm coming across it more increasingly. This sense that I don't need to train for too long or do too much. I just need certain elements, and uh, and I'm going to be doing it, and I'll just do it, and I'll I'll muddle along, and I'll pick it up from experience. You know, we live in a global society now in in performance and the entertainment industry and acting where someone can go a reality star can come from nowhere and then all of a sudden be on the west end or or broadway and and (laughs) there's no where where people have gone to drama school or trained in the studio system for years um and you know they are an example of perhaps you don't have to train so long um and but then there's you know solid actors who have a career. I mean, Brian Cranston, for instance, who comes at the top of my head, was a shit kicker for a long time. Excuse my language, but but then you know, look what we all know what what happened to him. Even though he had to pay his dues for a, a good amount of years. So, um, yeah, basically, acting training versus learning acting on the job. What are your thoughts on that, guys and gals? It's such an important question, and I really do agree with you without sounding too much like an oldie that (laughs) I have seen a transition in the students over the last however many years I've been teaching, let's say 20 years. I, um, I do feel that there is a downside to the accessibility and technology and this idea that somebody can just sort of sweep in and become an actor tomorrow, or that if you look beautiful, you, you should be an actor. I mean, we've always, we've always contended with that element, but I really have noticed that sustained attention, whether it's sitting in a three-hour class or setting yourself up for at-home rehearsals with your scene partners or journaling or creating workshops like Artist's Way workshops in your spare time, dedicating your private time to the study and deepening of your craft. I've seen a downward trend in um, the willingness of the average student to put in the time 
and it's something that I, you know, push back against because my own my own sense of things is that if you're going to if you if you feel that training is the path, then you need to be fully committed to it. And you need to show up in class ready to listen and to learn and to take notes. And you shouldn't be on Facebook and you shouldn't be on Instagram. And if you need to leave the room to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom and you come back. And what's happening on stage, just because you're not in it, is just as important and educational and as instructive as your time on stage. So I'm a little bit old school on this, um, but I do see... I do see that it's harder for younger students to grasp this and to dedicate themselves in a certain way. You know, that being said, I do understand that there are a lot of different ways to get there, quote unquote. And I know a number of really talented people who didn't have a lot of formal training, but who came at it with a great deal of charisma and openness and willingness and creativity and they've thrown themselves into things and it's worked really well for them. So I, I never want to say that there's one path for anybody. I became a Meisner teacher because for me that was the path that made a huge amount of sense. And that was after doing years of musical theater and commercial work and loving that and doing that well. But um when I landed in Los Angeles, I knew that I wanted some serious ongoing training. And, um, you know, I looked at a number of schools that were very highly recommended. And I landed at Playhouse West, where I saw something that was organic and true. And that's what rang my bell. You know, I, I saw a lot of fakery and a lot of um, imbalance and some methodologies and approaches by teachers that just didn't work for me as I audited other classes. And when I went to Playhouse West's Meisner class, it just, there was, there was no BS. Um, people were having real experiences on stage and it was just such a breath of fresh air. So I knew that that was for me. I don't say it's for everybody, but I knew it was for me. And I have seen that approach work for students with so many different challenges. That's one of the reasons I think that I've kept teaching it. It's not just, it's not just a method or approach that works for a certain kind of student. And um, so, so I think if you can find, if you can find, that thing that really rings in your stomach, just as you look for that feeling when you're reading material, considering a character. I think it's the same with training. You've got to find something that really, really speaks to you and then commit yourself to it. Yeah. I mean, that's... So you learn on the job, you can learn so much on the job. I mean, like my first commercial, I think I was, I don't know, I think I was 22. And um, <laughs> really quickly, um, I was doing a commercial for a microwavable food product and I was asked to do it a number of different ways all before the lunch break. I think I did about 50 different takes 
I danced with the food. I smelled the food. I didn't smell the food. I enjoyed the food. I wasn't certain about the food. I mean, I got every direction under the sun. And lunch break came, and I sat down, and nobody sat next to me. And I thought, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Like it's over. I, I'm. They're gonna. They're gonna kick me out after lunch break. I, I wonder who's gonna do the kicking out. You know, I mean, I had it all worked out in my brain. I thought they, they're so. They must be so unhappy with me. I've done it fifty different ways, and. Finally, I got up the nerve to speak with somebody and made a comment like, you know, gosh, it's been kind of a rough morning, huh? And they said, oh, the client. And I said, what do you mean? Oh, the client. They just don't know what they want. You know, it's ridiculous the way they're making you do it all these different ways. We're all so tired of this client. (laughs) Hmm. And it was such an important lesson for me. You know, it was such a great reminder that this is a collaborative thing and while I may be the only one in front of the camera, there's so much happening behind the scenes and there's so many, there's so many perspectives and so many elements to determine how this thing gets made and what finally happens with it. And so it gave me such relief to know that, you know, I could just show up prepared, open, ready to play, ready to make it work to the best of my ability and, and it would all sort of work out. And I think that's something that I would not have easily gotten in a classroom environment. So from my perspective, there's, there's really important learning that happens on both ends and you want in the classroom, you want to give as much support as you can so that when the students get the opportunities professionally, they are just as skilled as they can possibly be and as flexible and as free and, and confident as possible if they can just take it and run with it. Right. It's. I mean, it's interesting because the, you know that you can. You there's some people say you can't teach acting, but I believe you can mm-hmm. teach uh, acting. Um, but you can't teach the experience that the as you say the job gives you, and it's the mm-hmm. the practical element. And it's like, well, now you've got to start practice. Now you've got this. At least you know what you're doing with your prep. Now you've got to actually <laughs> harness that and deal with it. Now you're on set or you're in rehearsals for a play. And it's that is something that you will only get through experience. Yes. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> you can't really teach being on the job. You can advise and tell and, and tell stories and, and, and warn and, 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 and give some tips for sure. It's such a luxury being in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and yet, and yet there are, you know, I'm getting a lot of acting actors now coming to me who have had a career because they started very early. They didn't even have time to go into a, an acting class because they were doing major feature films at 19, 20, 21, 22. Uh, and now they're coming to me going, I, I feel I'm lacking something mm. and uh, I, I, I'm tired of just being this nice romantic lead or I would like to do, I'd like to expand myself uh, because I'd like to do other stuff or at least be considered for it, or at least when I am considered for it, give a good sort of uh, rendition of it. So it, it, it's a, it's a continual um, fight between the two. And there's, there's, there's convincing arguments for both. Brian, what do you, what do you, what's your take on it? Well, it's, um, you know, it's so interesting thinking about it and thinking about what, what it looks like Um, because, uh, you know, lately I have had a luxury of being on lots of different sets and working with lots of different actors who, um, 
who come at the work from all different perspectives. Um, and I think that, and I think that, you know, I think I would agree with both of you. I think that there isn't one particular take. I don't think that it's healthy for an actor to just work in class. And I don't think it's healthy for an actor to, to not do any class and not have any technique and just kind of go for it. You know, oftentimes the, at the beginning of, of an actor's career, you're going to want to spend some time in class because that's when you're going to get the, the time to explore and to push yourself and to do it in a, in an environment that's safe, you know, and I, and I'm, and I'm talking here much more about, uh, on-camera work than on in theater. Although if you're working in a West End show, it's the same thing Be, because really the difference is that you don't have the time. Uh, when you're working professionally, there is no time. You have to just do it. And so when you don't have a method or a technique of getting to where you need to get to, to, to produce the result that you need to, then you kind of, uh, fake it and you, and, and faking it will get you through for certain roles or for certain jobs. But then eventually if you're working as an artist should and pushing yourself, you're going to get to a place where the faking it is, is, uh, is not enough. And you're going to come up against what you mentioned, Gary, where you're, you're feeling like you're playing the same role over and over again, or you're feeling like the people that you are working with have a lot more depth or a lot more nuance. Um, and you're going to start to feel a lack in that. Um, but, and so, so there's no time when you're on a set to work on the process. You just have to do it. And there's all kinds of time and there's not as much risk in, in a class in exploring and pushing yourself and and taking um, taking chances that you wouldn't ordinarily take and really you know kind of just allowing the ideal work to be the, to be what you're aiming for um, you know I think in class you're going to you're going to deal and get, and get to deal repeatedly with a lot of uh, challenges that don't often come up in work. Uh, you know, a lot of days when you're on set, you're, you know, opening a door and walking in a room for, you know, half a day, you know, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of kind of, and it doesn't have to be that way, but it's easy to kind of, kind of slide through it when if all you're doing is walking into a room for half a day, uh, you don't really need to bring a lot of technique to that and you can kind of get by. Although the people that do bring technique to it are the people that are going to wow everyone. It's going to get hard for everyone eventually if you're pushing. You're, if you're going at it, it's going to get hard and then you're going to challenge and you're going to get challenged. And, um, and if you're working in class and pushing yourself, then you're going to have a teacher there, hopefully, if you're in the right class, who will be able to guide you and support you and give you pointers and, and, and things that you haven't thought about and ways to deal with the challenges that come up, you know, and I think in a lot of times when you're in a work environment, if you are challenged like that, it will take a very special director or a very special co-actor to help you through that because it's not their job to help you through that stuff. You know, if you have a big enough role and, and the director is smart enough and they realize that they have a problem, then they will help you. 
And, and, and a lot of directors that I've worked with are interested in helping and are, you know, to the amount of time that they have, they will give direction that actually goes to the heart of acting. But a lot of direction on set is do it faster, do it slower, do, do you know, look over here more, look over there. You know, it's very technical. It's not very acting because they expect when you get to work that you're going to know how to do the work. You know, on the other hand, when you're working, you know, if you were just in class and doing this idealistic work, uh, you lack the exposure to all kinds of different people that you might be working with. I have learned a lot from watching actors that I've had the privilege of working with, of watching how they deal with problems that they have or how they prepare for things, things that you would never get in a class because, you know, the great working actors aren't in, you know, classes that I might be in. Uh, I don't think, not anymore, you know. So you get a chance to to watch other actors deal with things. You get a chance to to watch how other departments, how the other professionals bring their professional work to the story that you're telling as a whole. And you can um you can start to to feel like the the part that you're doing is 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 not, oh, this is my part and I'm the the biggest thing in the world, but you know, and I'm that or the most, but you're actually a part of a larger machine that's telling this story. And, and to know, and when you, and the more work you do, the more you feel like, oh, that's how I fit in with this story. That That's what I would kind of say is that you kind of have to do both. And the people that rush through it, you know, if, if you, if the problem is I want to rush through this training so that I can get to the real stuff, then I think that that student or that actor that has that attitude is going to have problems Mm -hmm. when they do the real stuff. It's like, it's like an actor rushing through uh, repetition work, trying to get to the real acting, you know, the real stuff. And you go, well, you know, if you're not at the foundation, it's all the same thing. And if you're rushing through to get to something that's better, you're missing where you are. And, uh, and I wouldn't recommend doing that. Uh, at all, because, um, you know, like, to be honest, (laughs) most of the time when you're on set, it's not as good as being in class. The scenes are very short. You feel, I I tend to feel like, um, like they're over too quickly. Like I, you know, you start to get a rhythm and then it's, then you're done and, and you're moving on to something else. And it's, and, uh, and, and really to be able to dig into something is that's class time, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Right. I mean, so I, I suppose, that's how I feel, you know, the, the dilemma is, you know, it's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's that, that kind of thing. And, and you're absolutely right. I think the problem with, and there is a problem with too much training, whatever that is, and how do you define that? But in my experience, what happens is is it creates and engenders classroom junkies who um, have a, are just so safe in the in that environment and, and never really not just because you know work is necessarily scarce, but because they don't actually put the um, put the effort into getting to work and there's something that's that's something about them there's a there's an issue there but too much you know you can get a bit safe and a bit sort of cosseted and a bit cloying um with too much uh you know training or 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 just focus on the classroom however 
Um, having said that, you know, I mean, it was Daniel Craig, I think, uh, the guy, the actor plays Bond, who said that, you know, when I got to work and I started to work regularly, I just forgot everything I was taught um, at drama school. Um, you know, and, you know, I don't know, he was being flippant and he was making a joke, but I, I, I kind, of, kind of get what he's saying because in one sense there's a lot you can't teach. Um, however, I do believe that you need like any professional, you need a set of skills mm -hmm. and the earlier you get that, the better. And, and generally actors come into it at a young, you know, young, young age and they don't have anything and they don't know their way around acting as opposed to maybe the older actor who's never trained, but got work and then doing it the other way around. But I think, you know, one, one very strong reason for training or, or, or going there as a first port of call is as a professional, you've got to repeat your work. You've got to have a set of skills that you can actually repeat uh, and repeat your work on a, at a high level. And you're right, there is no uh, place other than the classroom where you get such luxury to do that. And well, I also think it's disingenuous for an actor who's working to say, oh, I, I didn't need that training. I think it's like any preparation uh, you can look at, you know, you know, you look at a scene preparation as you, or, or a, or a, you know, knock at the door and an activity exercise as you go, well, you're going to create, you're going to do all this work and prepare and prepare and prepare. And then in the moment, you're not going to think about that stuff. You're going to look at what's happening around you and focus on that. And whatever you prepared is going to affect you or it won't. Right. Um, right. You're talking the about same, technique then. That's a set of tools that you've just described. Exactly. Exactly. Specific but, particular technique. But I think but that's for Probably but he, but I, it's, it's, it's a macro on that. It's a macro on that with, where you're saying the training that you've had, it's not like he forgot it. It's that, it's that he's not thinking about it and it's affecting him in ways that, no, no, that I he's not conscious of. So, yeah, I you know. actually meant um, I, I had to forget it all because it didn't serve me. And, but that's because I think he went to bad school. He had bad training, oh. you know. Okay. <laughs> which is why well, yeah which is you why know, I, I think the americans you know i think the american here traditionally it's different now because it's a lot more independent like in the states but it used to be three years at drama school and that's it like your conservatoire types type situation in the states and and, and actors would be that i've done my training that's it three years now i'll be down the pub and i'll wait for my agent to call but that's obviously changed now. It's a lot more pluralistic and everything, and, and, and there's a lot more different ways of, of training. And, uh, you know, uh, I like the way that in America, they, the studio-based system can be anything from one year to years, but also you can take your own initiative to continue to, to, to train while you're working. I think there needs to be a, 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 a period right at the beginning when you're starting out where you just do intense training for whatever amount of time you feel is right. And then you start to get into the big wide world and then and also support that with continued classes and drop-ins so that you are always uh, learning. Just like, you know, a, a, an athlete, a sports person, a dancer, uh, a musician, they don't stop. No, why would you stop? Why would you stop? Exactly. I, there was there's, there's a great quote. I, sorry, Andrea. I'll just I'll just put this out there because I'll forget it. Otherwise, there's a great quote um, on in Stanislavski on opera, where I think it was that book. It was definitely Stanislavski book where the students are complaining about 
working and doing the training and, he, and they say, well, we want to have a break. And he says, what are you going to take a break from being creative? Yeah. You know, it's like you, you're constantly, you should be constantly pushing yourself when, if you're alive, you know, mm-hmm. go ahead, Andrea. That's why I just wanted to say that. Yeah, I'm completely, uh, completely in sync with you on, on all of this. It's just, you know, I mean, athletes are such a great uh, metaphor for, for actors considering this question. I mean, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, um, first ones at rehearsal practice and the last ones there and, you know, jump shots over and over and over again. I mean, they just never, ever stopped practicing so that when the game happened, they had the skills just, you know, so flawlessly mastered, but they never, they never gave up the practice part of it. And, you know, I would venture to say that most actors have had far more challenging circumstances to live out or to explore in a classroom environment, working with play texts, for example, than on most movie sets or most television sets. For sure. Not everybody right. can work the, the big storylines and have a career out of it. And so if, if I'm going to sit around in my apartment and wait for somebody to cast me as Lady Macbeth in a big budget production, I'm... Um, I might wait for a while, but if I'm, yeah, you might as well spend that time being in class. That's right. If I'm, if I'm working on it and I'm prepping for it, then there's, there's, I'm in a much better position to, <laughs> to make that happen in a, in a professional setting. And I'm just, and I'm stretching myself. So yeah. it, it's, 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 it's interesting yeah. you say that because you just reminded me of um, when I was in LA uh, many years ago, just visiting class and, 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 and sort of, investigating more um uh i went to the beverly hills playhouse and uh and there was george constanza from seinfeld doing hamlet mm. mm-hmm. and i'm like you know I, and i had to i'm like what the way you know what, what and he's he's like and i would never get the chance to do that i'll probably never do it i don't want to do it necessarily but in a production no one would i'm too old for it anyway now and, and i'm known for for seinfeld and other things but but i'd you know i'd love to i just want to do it i want to work on it i've just it'll do something for me and maybe it, i can it can feed its way into some other of my work somewhere along the line yes that's great um so and i and i think another time we should talk about how to know if you're in a good class and how to know if the teacher that you that you've chosen is the right teacher for you but i don't think that tonight is that time right. um, that conversation yeah, well, definitely. We need to talk about that. Because yeah, um, be I think we need a few on that. But anyway, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, but let's just close it out um, with uh, talking about some. I know we've all had a lot of time with our, you know, our Netflix or our uh, you know HBO Go or whatever we have um, now being at home in lockdown for the past week or so. So let's just talk about if are there are there some great performances or some shows that you've watched that uh, that you've that have really knocked you out recently or you know is there I know that uh, there are certain production houses I know the Met is doing this I don't know if the National Theater is doing this but that are because of the crisis opening up their archives and and streaming some really great performances so what are the what are the things that you guys have seen or the things that you're really looking forward to watching uh, that are out there Andrea why don't you why don't you start this one 
Well, two things come to mind. So first of all, I've been looking at a number of uh, orchestral productions on YouTube, some of some of which have been created using the technologies that we talked about earlier recently, where performers are performing from their home studios and um, they've been put together. And that's just, that's just brilliant. There's something about that idea that I really, really touches me because it also, it's also a reminder, you know, that they're humans and they practice and they have lives. You know, you see the cats behind them, you see the windowsill behind them. Um, it just gives them, <laughs> the individual so much dimension. And then you just get to see their faces better as they're creating this thing on mass, but you get to just a sense of the individual within the whole and, and, and it gets me thinking about the weekly and daily commitment that they make to practicing their, their art, um, how much joy they take in it as I can see their faces better. So I'm really enjoying that experience right now. And then the other thing, okay, this is going to sound really silly, but it, I have a 14-year-old daughter, so we are watching appropriate material together in the evenings. So we got on this Gilmore Girls kick because I had never really seen the whole series all the way through. It was a big hit in the U.S., and, and it's, it's a good conversation piece and appropriate for her age. So it has a very particular style, if you recall, and it's very, very fast dialogue, and it's very witty. And the lead actress, Lauren Graham, has had a wonderful career. And, um, and they made in 2016, I think the original series ran until about uh, 2005 or six. And then they, in 2016, they did this special sort of follow-up, you know, now it, the young daughter's 32 years old and we meet up with them again. Let's see what's happened. And I saw a shift in Lauren Graham's performance that struck me that while she absolutely knew the character inside out. She just wasn't pushing as much. She was mm. more receptive as a performer. She was more comfortable with the quiet. She was more emotionally available. Now the first, without giving anything away, the first piece of this revival um, revealed that in fact, the actor who had played her father had passed away in the meantime and so that is a big part of the storyline. And her emotional response to that, her behavior around that was a, was a big part of it. But the ease that she brought to it and the openness that she brought to it really just to me was like the ripening of an actor, you know, hmm. that all of the information and education she had gotten, even after this hit series for seven seasons, she'd gone on, she'd worked with fantastic directors, great shows. And I just saw I just saw a maturity that was really lovely and um, that I that I found inspiring. So that's great. Yeah, that's great. Gary, what about you? Um, very quickly, I've been I've just got to the end of season three, which is the last season of The Deuce by uh, HBO, mm-hmm. and it's basically uh, it's by the producers of The Wire, and it is set in New York in the seventies and into the early eighties. And it's all concentrated around Times Square. And at that time, it was very seedy. There's a lot of prostitution, pimps, uh, gangsters, and uh, and all of that. And it just, in a very human way, it's, very, it's a very character-led piece, just like The Wire was. 
And there are so many different strands, storylines and characters and so well formed. It's just a great, um, it's, it's, it's an absorbing piece because they really get the world right of this period. But also there are so many great performances, or even those small ones that don't kind of come in every now and again into an episode. There's just, it's just a great sort of character uh, rendition. Uh, you know, actors could really sort of pick up, sort of see what it's like when when you there's there's you're playing an expansive character, but you're still grounded in the truth of the actor. Mm. That's great. I think I'm gonna have to go for our inaugural episode. I'm gonna have to go with Succession. Mm. I know it's um, I've not seen been it. out there for I a while. Like it's too. it is astounding to me. You know. Th- Every single performance, I think, is just so specific and uh, the point of view is so strong and people stick to it, but it feels very free in terms of how they how they interact with each other. And I don't know how improv, Im- improvisational it actually is. I think that they do have some freedom to, to play around with the scenes and I, and because so many of the scenes are, you know, six or seven of the lead cast just sitting around a table and going at each other. Uh, I think they play it quite often as, uh, you know, they play the scene as it, they, it, the scene plays out as it would in a theater performance. And they play that three or four times when they're shooting it and, and they just are free with it and they get a run at it instead of these little segments, you know, and, and, and it's just, it's just, um, the writing is just glorious. And I think the performances are, are really, really astounding. So I would recommend those that haven't seen it yet. I know a lot of people have, and it's been out there as a, as a great piece, but those who haven't seen it should go out and watch it. That's also on HBO, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. Cool. So thanks. Any, any last words or anything like that before we end? Um, stay healthy, everyone. Yeah. Stay in. And, and, uh, and I just want to put out there for people who might be listening, if you have uh, questions or topics that you want us to answer, we would love to hear from you. We'll put uh, a link in the show notes to where you can drop those off, the questions, and we would love to uh, include you in the conversation. So don't be afraid to, to ask your questions. And, uh, and we'll do our best to, uh, to expound on them. So thank you all for listening, and, uh, and I hope you all stay safe. 